Hello everyone, Maayang Adlao. Welcome back to Philippine X in Wellness. In our last episode, we spoke with midwife Joanna Galvez of Malaya Midwifery, an episode dedicated to our mothers and birthing people. Another awesome episode. Our opening track that you were just listening to was Help Me by Richie. For this month's episode, Philippine X in Wellness presents We Keep Us Safe, Solidarity as Mutual Protection with Kalayaan Mendoza of Nonviolence Peace Force for Pride Month. We also want to do a special shout out to our community partners, the This Filipino American Life podcast, where we first heard Kalayaan in their episode with Kimi Maniquez on Philam allyship in the Black Lives Matter movement. If you're not listening to their podcast, please subscribe or tune in. You can find their episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, or through their website, thisfilipinoamericanlife.com. And that's Filipino with an F. My name is Cheryl Sampson Ramirez. My chosen pronouns are she, her, sha. I'm ethnically Bisayan and Chinese, currently streaming from the traditional territories of the Tongva and Kich people also known as Los Angeles. And now I'd like to introduce our host for this evening, our co-host, who is also our social media strategist, Kat. Thank you, Cheryl, Magandang Gabi, Katabayan, and everyone globally. My name is Kathleen Christine Toyo, and my pronouns are she, her, sha. My family is from Pangasinan, and I am currently streaming from Temecula. Philippine X Win Wellness's vision is to support the wellness of the Philippine X community through resource sharing, podcast streams, and partnerships with professionals and organizations in order to live healthier, happier, and more fulfilling lives. If you're not following us already, please feel free to follow us at Philippine X in Wellness with a P ending with an X in Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter via the handle at Philippine X the letter N, the word well, followed by the letters N and S. We honor this safe space by asking everyone to speak and listen respectfully from your heart throughout our time together. This pre-recorded session can be accessed through our Filipinx and Wellness and SoCal Filipinos YouTube channels and on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash and Wellness. As always, we'll be sure to share any questions that our community has front-loaded our team within our episodes. Please keep in mind that anything that is discussed today is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner for your particular condition, especially before starting any exercise or new health program. Philippinex was formed to provide a dialogue around topics that affect the wellness of our Philippinex community. We're here to also highlight Philippinex individuals and organizations that are actively doing wellness work. Without further ado, today's guest speaker is Kalayaan Mendoza. Kalayaan Mendoza, he or they, them, is a queer Filipino and hard of hearing human rights defender, street medic, and community safety and mutual protection trainer. He resides on occupied Lenape lands, colonially known as New York City. And he currently serves as a director of US programs at Nonviolent Peace Force. 
Nonviolent peace force protects civilians in violent conflicts using unarmed protection strategies. We would like to welcome to the Philippine Excellent Wellness podcast for the first time, Kalayaan Mendoza. Hello, Kalayaan. Hello, Cheryl, how are you? Hello, Kat. Um, thank you all so much for having me on. Oh, we're so thankful to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, and um, uh, for your viewers that might be watching, uh, please excuse the fact that I don't have my video on. I messed up my back many, many years ago and it's acting up today. So um, I'm, I'm completely present, uh, just won't be on video. So please accept my apologies. No worries, I think we have a forgiving community for sure. Um, so something that we always like to start off in our episodes is um, asking our guests, where is your family from in the Philippines and where are you currently streaming from? Yeah, so my mom's Kapangpangan. My dad is Ilocano, but uh, raised in Tondo, Manila, as he loves to um, remind all of us. And um, so basically, I am um, mayabang or stuck up, um, <laughs> uh, a good cook. Um, I love vegetables. I'm a hard worker. So all of the regional, uh, um, uh, um, what do you call it, stereotypes are definitely reflected in me. But um, uh, real talk, um, I was born in Manila um, uh, in the 70s and, um, uh, and came uh, to the U.S. Um, uh, when I was about two years old. Um, raised in the Bay Area, um, uh, San Jose, East Side, what what. Um, and um, I'm currently based here in New York City, specifically Queens or Jackson Heights, Queens, um, in one of the most diverse uh, neighborhoods and counties in the United States with over 137 languages spoken. I'm super lucky to be able to have a Filipino uh, uh, Philam grocery mart uh, right down the street and right across the street is a amazing Tibetan restaurant and right across the street from that are um, some of the best foods you'll see uh, or you'll tr uh, try in the country. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just wanna take a second and thank both of you for the work that you do in terms of uplifting, centering and providing resources and perspectives for our communities to be able to dive deep into our wellness. This is so desperately needed. And I, um, I just wanted to say, you know, marami salamat to the both of y'all for all of your um, hard um, work and labor. And it's, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't escape me that um, uh, uh, Filipinx uh, women and femmes and trans folks are the ones that have carried our people through, um, uh, through so much and um, just want to give due honor and respect to the labor that um, y'all have put into Philippine X and wellness. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm not going to cry this early in the episode. <laughs> uh, thank you, Kalayan. We receive that. <clears throat> uh, but we need to like learn how to collaborate with each other, right, in order to grow as a community and especially in addressing wellness. Um, so we're so thankful to have guests like you on our platform to represent the diversity of our community and to really talk about these experiences that we don't always often talk about, but yet need to, to grow in our wellness practices, right? And I, I, hear, I heard you say that you're in Queens, and I understand there's also a Philippine population in Queens? 
Oh yeah, there's a substantial. Oh, we're actually going to have um, the Little Manila um, a sign dedication ceremony uh, this coming um, Saturday. It's right Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. Um, uh, and it's it's really amazing. Like it feels. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's okay. Thinking about like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Queens has just been through so much and uh, to see the, um, our generation, cat um, uh, uh, your generation really rising up to continue to represent uh, not just our ancestors, but um, uh, our community leaders and building a, um, a intentional space for um, our people. It's just, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we got to just keep this work going right and make sure that this work doesn't end and, and we're through everything. So small that's progress. awesome. Yeah, small progress is big progress. Mm -hmm. Well Quite said. So. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and I also heard you talking about like all the different restaurants and so for folks that know that I'm a foodie, I, I hope to eat there someday too. <laughs> oh, I'll take you on a food tour. Just let me know when you're in New York. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna take you up on that. Watch. All right. Awesome. So <laughs> diving back into get us getting to know you, Kalaya on, you know, honestly, we're so excited to share that you're actually our first guest speaker from the East Coast. So oh, oh and well, we've had some Bay Area like folks too, but definitely streaming from the East Coast, you're our first. So we definitely welcome the perspective, you know, from the East Coast, you know, and just throughout our diaspora as we expand our reach. And we heard a bit about your, uh, uh, you know, your brief bio that you're currently the director of U.S. programs for the Nonviolent Peace Force. So can you tell our audience, our community more about your organization if they're hearing it for the first time? And wh what are you all currently working on? Sure. Um, and uh, Nonviolent Peace Force, otherwise known, otherwise known as NP, uh, we're an international uh, unarmed civilian protection organization that works within uh, violent conflicts around the world, from Myanmar to South Sudan to the Philippines to now here in the United States. Um, we are, uh, our focus in New York City has been uh, supporting our communities in keeping safe from anti-Asian violence, utilizing a um, uh, utilizing trainings, building out safe zones, and working very closely with the Asian American Federation, and uh, a little bit over th uh, thirty other local API organizations here in New York City, um, in the um, uh, in uh, Queens, Manhattan, um, and Brooklyn. Uh, what the work has looked like in the last um, year is like uh, the U.S. program was really born after the um, the state murder of George Floyd by Darren Wilson on May 25th, 2020. Uh, since then, we uh, the uh, NP created the U.S. program to be able to protect civic space, uh, to protect human rights defenders. Um, to build community safety in neighborhoods and to uh, work alongside uh, duty bearers that are responsible for keeping um, our community safe. And that includes legislators, that includes 
uh, government government officials. Um, so our work is multispectral. It's everything from on the ground support. Um, uh, we were in um, Minneapolis. We were in uh, uh, Brooklyn Center during the uh, uprisings following Dante Wright's murder by Kim Potter. Um, and here in New York, uh, we've really been building the internal capacity for our communities to respond to violence using unarmed civilian protection and mutual protection means. I know that's a lot of words and it's some folks may be like, what did you just say? But basically the way I like to term it is our ancestors have left us with ancestral technologies to keep ourselves and our community safe. The reason that we are here in diaspora or back home is because our ancestors have survived through colonization, genocide, occupation um, for hundreds of years. And we have the ability to adapt and to build deep trust and care within our communities to be able to respond to uh, violence from the state or non-state actors. In essence, we know how to keep ourselves safe because our ancestors have always, always prioritized not just our physical safety, but our psychosocial, spiritual, energetic. And now we're the holders of that legacy and we yeah. live in a violent world. So, yeah. Agreed, agreed on all fronts is what you just said. As we get to know you, we'd love to learn about your personal journey and what events led you to pursue this career path. Oh, like every Filipino American immigrant kid, my parents uh, really encouraged me to join a nonprofit. <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, mean not, yeah, you mean not a doctor or like? Yeah, <laughs> my, my yeah. I mean, I, I my parents are amazing. I love them. They're uh, uh, brilliant, kind, hardworking people. Um, and really didn't understand why I was. An, I've always been an activist. Um, and I really have to thank um the uh, Filipino Youth Coalition now the uh, Filipino. Uh, Pilipina Pilipinex Youth Coalition uh, based in Eastside San Jose for cultivating me as a youth leader in the early 90s. Um, and it's because of, you know, uh, uh, Filipino grassroots leaders investing their time and energy on me uh, that I was able to um, really reimagine how I can contribute back to our communities. Um, and since the late 90s, um, uh, I got involved with the anti-globalization movement, um, uh, the free Tibet movement, um, the LGBTQIA movement, um, and really since 90, I, I just want to say 94, um, when, I, uh, when I was in high school, um, uh, really focused on uh, nonviolent direct action with a, a particular um, focal point on safety. Um, I was a part of a group of Tibetan and non-Tibetan activists that were in Beijing during the 2008 Olympics. Um, my, my team and I, we were uh, beaten. I had my foot broken in two places. Um, we were put, uh, we were waterboarded, put in stress positions or torture positions, interrogated uh, and put in solitary for 18 hours. And the one thing I learned from that is even though we, we, trained for seven years for that moment, we didn't have 
the movement capacity to protect our folks after being put in such a highly traumatic situation. So I dedicated um, my life since then to ensuring that uh, no one has to unduly experience the trauma of state or non-state actor violence through uh, human rights defender work, through human rights observation work. Um, and now as the director of US programs, we're trying to build out this capacity in all of our communities. Wow, you started at such an early age. Um, who were some of those grassroots leaders that were inspiring you when you when you first started your organizing work? I'm just curious. Yeah, um, so, oh my gosh, it was so long. Uh, there is, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Antoinette Pena, um, uh, uh, Tony Santa Ana. Um, oh, yeah, I know Tony. Oh, you know Tony? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, shout out Tony <laughs> if, you, if you ever listen to this episode. Yeah, there was, I mean, like there was a whole um, generation of folks that were a few years older than me that really took me under their wing. Um, Austin Mosqueda, um, uh, Christine, uh, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no. everyone. But um, <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, like it, it was our, um, now back then I was like, oh my God, they're so grown. They're, they're youth leaders at the time, right? That were supporting youth leaders. And that's yeah. what um, I, I needed uh, in order to develop my uh, leadership. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think also, yeah, Kat, had, you, you were wondering also like maybe how, how, how your queer identity, Galayan, has, has informed your work. Yeah, I mean, how has it not, <laughs> right? Like when we talk about whether it is protecting human rights, whether we talk about nonviolent direct action, whether we talk about holistic safety or security, uh, queer folks, trans folks, folks who, have, are, who are on the margins and have also been further marginalized due to their uh, myriad uh, identities, have had to always think about our safety first. We could never trust the state or others to keep us safe. So we cultivated that safety as best we could. The way that I have really tried to bring in my queer identity into this is recognizing that the, how do I put this? I mean, it's Pride Month right now, right? And trans trans youth are quite literally under attack by legislators across the country. We thought that we were at a point where, you know, LGBTQ rights as human rights was pretty mainstream. But what we're seeing is like a curtailing of those rights. And the fact that with uh, what's happening um, with the Supreme Court uh, and Roe v. Wade to the uh, potential um, you know, uh, dissolution of gay marriage, we're seeing all of our rights being infringed upon. 
And I think as a queer person, we know that we may be the canary in the coal mine when it comes to the infringement of rights or the repression or the rise of fascist violence. We are the ones that are usually the loudest and we need the support of folks that may not identify as us or may not see themselves reflected in um, these, quite frankly, fascist laws um, uh, or uh, shifts uh, the laws towards fascism. I think that if anyone thinks that they're not going to be affected by these rollbacks in our rights, um, whether that is the right, to, the fundamental right to life with our government absolutely doing nothing to stop gun violence, to the attacks on the trans and LGBTQIA plus communities. When one community is under attack, all of us are under attack. And it's a slippery slope. Um, and we're not just seeing it here in the US, but you know, South Korea just um, elected a very right-wing president. Um, and I don't think it's you know, new to any of us that are or folks that are listening right now, but we have the Marcoses in power again. So these, um, this rise of fascism is interconnected, but so are we. People power showed us a way through utilizing nonviolent direct action, utilizing building coalition and community and giving power to the people. Mm -hmm. Sorry, yeah, I, sorry. I, I think that I went all kinds of ways, but um, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Um, no, I'm glad that you were um, talking about it. I, I don't know if all of our community is familiar with the legislation that is attacking our trans youth. Maybe if you can expand on what that might be. Sure, I think we saw this uh, really at the um, start of, or the, um, the middle of the 2010s with uh, uh, different um, tr uh, uh, bathroom bans uh, for trans youth um, or uh, that were uh, focused on um, ensuring that uh, only cisgender or people that were perceived as either um, male presenting or female presenting would go into um, uh, one cellar and, uh, or sorry, one restroom or another. Um, we're seeing the, um, I mean, uh, in Texas, I believe, I just saw today, legislators are doing more to stop um, uh, drag queen shows for kids than they are for um, stopping uh, uh, gun violence. And I, I want to be very clear that um, drag queens and trans folks are not the same, um, uh, even though the right may lump us all together. Um, these are very distinct communities, but the, um, the fact of the matter is um, there is a perception by um, more conservative elements, and I would even go so far as to say um, Christian, white Christian nationalist elements, both in the government, whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene um, or non-state actors uh, like Proud Boys are really trying to push a narrative and a structural change to further uh, ostracize and oppress um, folks that they see as other, whether that be um, 
trans youth, whether that be um, the black community, whether that be um, Asian Americans, whether that be immigrants from across the spectrum. We are in a, um, we are unfortunately in one living nightmare after another. And um, the incorporation of um, transphobia, homophobia, uh, misogyny, patriarchy in legislation is something that we're gonna continue to see. Thank you, thank you for um, definitely clarifying that for our audience who might not be aware of the current legislation that you, you were, um, you were mentioning. Of course. Um, so like with the continued hate crimes being committed towards the API or within the Pinax community, um, where are we now and what nonviolent measures can we take to better protect ourselves? It's, um, Stop API Hate um, has continued to record um, a staggering number of, I think in last count was um, in the last year, 10,650 um, reported cases of anti-Asian violence. Um, but I think rather than looking yeah. at the numbers, it's important to uplift the, um, the stories of both pain and um, uh, just deep bravery. Um, last year, uh, during Easter Sunday, uh, Tita Vilma Kari, um, a Filipino woman, um, uh, was going to Easter Mass and was um, called a racial slur and literally curb stomped um, in Midtown Manhattan in broad daylight. And rather than the staff, the security staff from inside the building coming out to help, they locked the doors. She, she, as she was being brutalized, there was an upstander across the street saying, I'm videotaping, I'm videotaping. I see you, I see you. And Tita Vilma shared um, uh, in her stories and through her daughter, Elizabeth, who started um, AAPI Belong, which is an amazing organization that I recommend folks check out on Instagram. That's AAPI Belong. Um, she shared that even in that moment, she knew that someone was watching out for her. And when asked, what would she say for, to her attacker? She responded that she's praying for him, that she has compassion for him, that she doesn't know what happened to him in his life to get him to that point. This is but one story out of thousands. And the work that we are doing in New York City alongside many other um, organizations like the Asian American Federation, who's really leading the Hope Against Hate effort, is building our community's capacity to respond and to interrupt violence by building what we call upstanders. Upstanders are different than bystanders because the bystander effect uh, essentially says that you know, when someone, um, uh, for folks that are in SoCal, you know that when you're driving on the freeway and you see yeah. a, a car on the side of the road, most likely yeah. you'll be like, oh, someone, someone got them, right? 
Um, yeah. Similar to um, uh, violent situations, everyone else will think someone else will do something. What we're right. trying to do is to build the skill set of um, thousands and thousands, as many New Yorkers as possible, to interrupt violence, whether that's through protective presence, protective accompaniment, or interpositioning. Um, and we've been doing training since August of last year. I believe we're up to 2,500 people trained across New York City um, on these skill sets. And um, we have, yeah. Uh, so in terms of like, and let me just say this, self-defense is not violent. I'm gonna say that again. Self-defense is not violent. And we as an organization, will not judge a community that is under attack on the ways that they deem they need to um, defend themselves. But what we are trying to do is introducing nonviolent means that anyone can utilize regardless of um, uh, age, identity, or en um, any factors um, to be able to um, cultivate safety because that it's really about not just responding or reacting to violence, it's proactively building a community because community is the only thing that has ever kept us safe. Right. Whew, let's take a deep breath. <sighs> yeah. yeah, we're so thankful for, for you, Kalayan, that you're leading a lot of these trainings and and hopefully um, we're gonna actually take a break, but hopefully for our second half, you can kind of share with our community or with our listeners, how they can access these trainings, um, maybe what that looks like when you talk about nonviolent approaches to addressing violence. And we just, yeah. And we just wanted to say that we're really grateful to have you here as our guest for Pride Month and for sharing your nonviolent strategies to keeping our community safe. Um, this has been an informative first half of our episode so far. Thank you all for joining us for season two of Philippine Exit Wellness. We're talking with Kalayaan Mendoza, Director of U.S. Programs for the Nonviolent Peace Force. Please stay tuned. Feel free to take a deep breath with us. Take a quick stretch. Refill your water or tea. We'll be right back after this quick I am Filipino Filipina. We, we are Philippine, Philippine X. X. So replace the F with a P. Filipino Filipino. Switch between O or A. Filipino Filipina. Replace the O or A with, with an, an X. X. We are Philippine, Philippine X. X. The X is intersectionality. X. To be inclusive. X. Not limited to the gender binary. X. Much like how we spoke. X. Before colonized to the throats. X. Sha, sha. X. They did it, they did it. X. They came from Spain, 1521 to 1898. They came from the United States, 1899 to X. X. They taught us how to speak, to pray before we eat, to believe in a religion, follow a God we never heard of, make up a sign in our own written language, bye bye in, because it's too difficult for them to translate. They created a kudlet in the shape of a cross, so that whenever we write, whenever we read, we are learning lies. X, X. Where, where is, is our, our history? history? X1, Morbid, California, 1587. X2, Saint Malo, Louisiana, 1763. X3, Philippine American War in 1899. X4, Wasserville Rice, 1930. X5, Decision Act of 1946. 
six, X six. Delano Grapeshack of 1965, X seven. People Power Movement in 1986, X eight. Kabatang Makabayan in 1999, X nine. Tagalog and Peace Studies in 2003, X ten. Philippine X's for Black Lives in 2019, X. We are Philippine X. When Adam Corliss said, we had nothing but Manny Pacquiao and sex tours. When Manny Pacquiao said gay marriage is worse than animals. When Pia Bursbach said, it's a good relationship we were colonized. When Duterte said he'd be happy to slaughter them. When the New York Times said, we do not exist. When Trump said, we come from a shithole country. X. 4X, everything X, that X, we X, R X, everything that we are X, this X represents a list that we have so much more to do. Welcome back to Philippine X in Wellness. You were just listening to Isang Bagsak by Seti featuring Eddie Ganya Jr. and Stephanie Sahor. You can learn more about Seti through their website, writesteady.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at writesteady. We're turning from our break. We've been talking with Kalayan Mendoza about solidarity as mutual protection. And actually, Kat, before you go and <clears throat> I wanted to just acknowledge Kalayaan and, and thank you for your work that you're doing and your advocacy because I know you gave us our roses at the very beginning of the episode but we also need to give you your roses for doing the work that you've been doing since high school um you know we just wanted to say we really witnessed the trajectory of your dedication to our community and the sacrifice that you're taking, not only emotionally and being vulnerable and transparent on our platform, but we just want you to know that, you know, you're witness and you're seen and you're in a safe place um, with Philippine X and Wellness to be sharing the stories that you've seen, that you've witnessed yourself and that you've gone through. So I just wanted to say on behalf of Philippine X and Wellness that we really thank you for all of your sacrifices and the work that you're constantly doing. Thank you. That's very uh, profoundly received. Um, I'm never good at, um, yeah, thank you. That's very, very, very kind of you. Um, yeah, I, uh, if there's, I, I really see this as an obligation to our community and I'm, um, and yeah, I just, like I, I always say at trainings, I hope never, and no one ever has to use any of the uh, learnings that I've shared, but um, thank you so much for your kind words. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, when you talk about Tita Vilma's story, that could have easily been any of our moms, any of our Lola, Lolas, or even any of our Titas or Ninas, you know? and. And it hits home because that could have, you know, really been like one of our loved ones that experienced that. And, and so we're, we're glad that you were able to share that, even though it's, it's just heartbreaking. There's no other way to say it. Like, it's heart wrenching to hear what our community is facing. And I don't know, like, if people like think that this was just only a year ago that this is happening, but this is still happening, you know, and we think it's really important for you to just be on our platform to talk about it because we want to not only build awareness around it, but also figure out, again, this podcast, podcast is centered around what can we do as a community to keep ourselves, our elders, our loved ones safe. So um, we're really um, 
grateful and fortunate to have you on this platform to talk about that because that's our wellness. Quite so, quite so. Um, yeah, I think one thing that I've learned in doing this work is um, folks sometimes go into a hypo aroused state, like a, a survival response, and go they go into freeze when we start talking about um, uh, safety work or uh, our communities being attacked. And I think if folks are wanting to find ways to tap in, the first thing that you can do is to get to know your neighbors, you know, get to know who lives on your block. Um, connect with the folks that are um, around you. Like um, that's really the, you know, relationship building is the, um, the primary building block of a safe community. And safe communities are communities that have resources and deep mm -hmm. relationships across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so we do that. I'm, I know I'm, I'm brushing broad strokes, but we Filipinos are renowned for our relationship building, our kindness and our hospitality, right? And right. our deep love for one another. I think if we can extend that out, if we can get to know our neighbors, um, mm. if, you know, there's, there really is another world waiting. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean, at the fundamental level, like when we were, when our, parents were in the Philippines you know everyone in the town you know exactly. right and, and everyone in the town is watching you walk by their house and mm -hmm. imagine when we immigrate to the U.S. how that gets lost exactly I mean that sense of removal from community is so jarring and so many of our communities our uh, immigrant communities especially have experienced this and I mean if there's anything that I have learned is that the, um, the Tita or Lola information network of Chismis is one of the most effective ways of getting information out. <laughs> if you want something known quicker than um, uh, uh, whatever, um, broadband, I don't know, I'm so old. Um, broadband, um, <laughs> did you say broadband internet? Yeah, I, said, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's called anymore. You just tell it Tita, right? But I mean, yeah, Wi-Fi, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, relationships are so central to who we are as a people and so central to the ways that we can truly reimagine safety that doesn't come down the barrel of a gun that isn't um, in the hands of state actors like the police, but it's something that is cultivated by us for our people. Yeah, yeah like if we encounter something like Tita Vilma's incident, what, do, what can we do? Or is this something that folks who need to attend one of your trainings on to learn about? Or what does that look like? Yeah, so we have a training coming up, and I'll share the um, the Eventbrite um, uh, on June 14th. Um, we go over what's called situational awareness and de-escalation, okay. and I'll just really briefly touch on it. Um, situational awareness, most specifically uh, a tool called the OODA loop, which stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act, is right. a crisis decision-making tool that people can fall back on when they're pushed out of the window of tolerance or when they're put into a survival uh, response state. And 
this in essence, um, everyone has the ability to assess their situation and to um, name what they need to do to keep themselves safe. So we talk about the OODA loop. Uh, we talk about activation points and anchor points. Um, uh, we talk about de-escalation and I'll just say this very quickly. De-escalation, you can only de-escalate yourself and those you're in right relationship with. You cannot de-escalate an aggressor. But what you can do is to build a moment of pause for you to figure out what you need to do in order to keep yourself safe. Um, so like I said, we do have, uh, the trainings are about an hour and a half. They're free for everyone, uh, not just for New Yorkers, but um, uh, they're in partnership with the Asian American Federation under the Hope Against Hate campaign. Um, and I'll share the event right um, there. Um, it's really a, um, we do the, uh, the virtual trainings that introduce the concepts and the frameworks. And we do in-person trainings where we actually practice uh, different scenarios where we put folks into escalating um, uh, uh, violent scenarios where they need to decide what do they consent into and how do they show up from a place of solidarity and not saviorship. And mm -hmm. that means, you know, uh, recognizing that everyone has the resources, everyone has the ability to disrupt violence, but everyone will have a different approach to it. And that's what we try to do in the in-person trainings is to get folks to really practice that um, in a safer container where people mm -hmm. can, um, can really feel when they're pushed out of their window of tolerance or comfort zone, what does that mean? Do they go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, right? And right. Um, really to kind of like build that muscle in the event that they ever need to use it. I see, thank you. Being that it's currently Pride Month, can you talk about hate crimes towards the queer and trans Pilipinx community? And are there nonviolent strategies specific to our LGBTQI plus community that we can learn to better protect ourselves? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's funny, I was, I'm was i gonna talk to uh, Dr. Russell Jung, who's um, uh, one of the great minds behind the Stop API hate uh, reporting project um, that is constantly referenced. Um, and I was gonna see if there's a disaggregation of data um, that shows an intersection between LGBTQIA identity, uh, uh, disabled identities and um, different API identities. Um, what I can say is even though our, um, our you know, uh, trans siblings or other queer siblings um, folks along the entire spectrum, um, the, there is a emerging sense of fear um, that I think folks really need to see that um, just because pride is something that's almost gone mainstream to where Target has, you know, yes, like queen um, advertisements doesn't mean that um, uh, our communities are safe. Uh, we know that there have been numerous um, uh, threats against the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and uh, regarding our community, Pilipinex uh, 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 folks, um, I mean, we can see it at, you know, uh, from the ongoing anti-trans bills, um, the uh, macro and microaggressions against our community uh, members, and this is one thing I want to say to our cis hetero kababayan in diaspora. 
y'all cannot come to our pride parade one day and party with us and the next day be silent when um, transphobia, homophobia, misogyny, uh, anti-blackness, colorism comes up. You do not get to experience the joy that we have fought Tooth and, <laughs> sorry, oh, it's. No, no, it's okay. It's part of our emotion is our healing. It's just been such a long fucking two years. Excuse my language. Um, I want to tell folks like, yeah, there's some clear ways to, excuse me, practice nonviolence. Um, yes, there are ways to do that. But first, I think folks need to first recognize what our privileges are and how can we show up for one another from a place of solidarity, right? Which is power with, not power over. It means giving up our privilege. It means making our, you know, if your partner is, you know, or some, if someone in your life is homophobic and you don't call them out, you're homophobic. If they say something transphobic and you don't call them out or call them in, you're only perpetuating that hate. There's just so much, so many attacks from all quarters that our communities are facing right now. The last thing that we need is feeling um, disconnection um, from our own community. Uh, um, so I wanna just like call in our Filipinx siblings and invite y'all to show up for us, not just when it's fun, but also when it's difficult. And does that entail, like for our community, does that entail having those courageous conversations? Definitely, definitely. And I mean, it's, um, you wanna have a strategy, right? Like you wanna know what your capacity is in that, in that moment. And what is your goal? If you're, you know, um, if your Tito boy is blatantly anti-Black, blatantly transphobic, homophobic, you may only be able to move him you know, a little bit on the meter of getting to a place of inclusivity and that's okay. But I think it's important for us to strategically utilize our energies on those who we are in community with, those that we love, and also those that are willing and open to, um, to be challenged. Because I mean, it's, um, it's, uh, it's difficult work. Courageous conversations are taxing, right? Um, so I think folks need to be gentle with themselves, but also, yeah, be courageous. Um, be willing to challenge, even when um, people say messed up things. I always tell folks, ask why they said that. Come from a place of inquiry rather than from a place of instant attack. And when you can show them how unfunny their messed up joke is, they really need to, you know, um, they don't want to lose face, right? So right. I think there's many ways that folks can approach it. And I actually wanted to expand on that last point that you mentioned, Kalayan, because for many oppressed communities, part of being oppressed or colonized is this fear that if they say something, that they'll further be oppressed or they'll further be silenced. So if someone is carrying that fear, what is a good starting point to begin unraveling? Yeah, I mean, I think about 
when I started out as uh, I used to, I used to be uh, one of those college organizers, cis male that would wear a shirt that says, this is what a feminist looks like. And I would always be the one to be like, I'm going to carry the megaphone and start chanting. This is what a feminist look like until my femme and trans, you know, comrades and siblings called me in and said, Hey, you need to STFU. <laughs> this isn't about you. And they really gently helped me understand that what I was doing was more harmful than good. And they said, if you want to show up for us, make sure that um, you keep the perimeter safe. Make sure that you um, are able to hand out water. So I think it's really decentering ourselves and our egos and really looking at it from a more collectivistic um, perspective. When someone calls you in, especially from a marginalized, oppressed, or colonized um, group, see that as the gift that it is, that they care about you and love you enough to call you in and to help support your growth. So that's what I want to invite for folks that may be very uncomfortable with that. And I get it. It is uncomfortable. But if we are not put into a place of discomfort, we will never grow, right? If the soil is not agitated, if new nutrients are not brought in, the fields will go fallow. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I actually wanted to ask briefly, because I see that, why does our segment have to end soon? But I feel like I could go into a part two with you, Kalaya. <laughs> but I want to actually circle back to something that you said in the beginning that was really inspiring when you were talking about um, the pro-people movement in the Philippines. And you were talking about nonviolent sh strategies in the, mm. uh, in the power to the people like movement during the Marcus regime. I was just curious to know if those strategies in the Philippines during that those times are different from the US and maybe if you can talk a bit about that. Definitely. I mean, I remember being, I think I was like five or six years old watching the people power revolution in the Philippines, seeing that sea of yellow and all of our people courageously fighting back against a regime that had all of the guns, the tanks, the ammunition in the country, but yet were able to unite to fight back using strategic nonviolence. And nonviolence is not pass passive. It's not only, it can, be, it can be passive, but I think it's a very dynamic approach. And right. it works, right? It works. It is something that works. And the reality is, these, whether it's um, a, uh, you know, settler colonial government here, whether it is a dictatorial government elsewhere or back home, they will always have more cops, more soldiers, more guns, more bombs than we ever will. But what we have is strategic might of our numbers. And I don't, I, you know, it's about bringing in and building a movement a mass movement to shift things. And I believe it was Maria Stefan from uh, the Interna um, uh, International ICNC um, that said it takes 3% of the population to shift um, uh, you know, a system. And that means that if we're able to 
inspire just 3% of the population to, you know, to really support fundamental human rights, things can change. We just need to be able to um, strategically build and not just get caught up in um, trying to be more, uh, you know, um, oh gosh, sorry, I don't want to go into this like uh, rabbit hole, but I think that we need to think more strategically um, and we need to be able to think uh, more broadly about what it looks like uh, to be able to build a better world. And I will just quote um, Dr. Angela Davis and Grace Lee Boggs at UC Berkeley in 2013, I believe, um, said that we need to move away from protest organizing and towards visionary organizing. How many of us that have organized can say that we have re-envisioned a world, a better world, and have built towards that? Because for me, I'll just say that I feel like I've been reacting and just fighting and fighting, and I am exhausted. And I'm seeing the next generation, really the ones recognizing and really being inhabiting their leadership and working towards a better world because we have no chance to survive as a species if we do not come together and fight for the water, fight for the earth and fight for each other as our um, uh, native uh, water protector relatives from um, Aotearoa to Mauna Kea to Standing Rock have shown us. For members of our community that are looking for trainings or resources to help keep their loved ones safe, either here or throughout the diaspora, what are some resources or upcoming trainings that you can share with us? Are there other individuals or organizations that we you would also like to highlight doing similar work? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Yes. Um, what I will do is I will share some amazing um I, I mean, we have, um, in California, there's a Seniors Fight Back uh, group uh, by Hong Lee. Uh, here in New York, we have Soar Over, Soar Over Hate. Uh, we have multiple, I'll just say this. Whenever I lose hope, I look at who's doing the work. I look for the helpers, those that put the community um, beyond themselves, above themselves. I'm not saying to they neglect themselves, but they really center community. Um, I will share um, all of the, the folks to follow um, and I'll just make a pitch for um, a nonviolent peace force and the Asian American Federation's Hope Against Hate Campaign. Uh, you can go to affederation.org or nonviolentpeaceforce.org uh, for more information or uh, please feel free to follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Kala Mendoza, that's K-A-L-A-M-E-N-D-O-Z-A. Yeah, thank you. And, and I think we're also looking for individuals or organizations in other cities because we understand that our listeners have a broad reach and, you know, we definitely want to plug y'all like some um, resources in your area as well. So before we close, we always like to ask our guests, what are your own wellness practices? And Kalayaan, this definitely hits home because I know our organizers, our activists have a tendency 
our social workers have a tendency to fill other people's cup before filling their own. Mm. So mm. we definitely want to know if you have any self-care practices that help sustain the important work that you're doing to for our, you know, our listeners to learn from. I mean, this, right? Just being in community and conversation with two brilliant leaders within our community, you know, our people, like this is what is generative for me. Um, I'll be real, like I am not healthy. I am not a healthy person. Um, I, I do prioritize, I, you know, I will put the, um, the oxygen mask on someone else before myself. And like, that's not a good look and that's not how you're supposed to do it. But um, I think when I'm in these spaces, um, when I'm in conversation um, and seeing the work that y'all do, seeing the work that so many of us are doing, it helps to give me that glimmer of hope that we are, although going through living nightmare after living nightmare, um, there are those that care so deeply about our communities that it gives us very, very tired, queer activist um, hope. Um, and I'm every time I see folks uh, like yourselves that are doing the work, it really inspires me to just, you know, call other folks in and to just say that we really need to be able to love, care for, and protect each other more deeply, more profoundly, more intentionally, more fiercely than this world hates us. Because the only way we'll survive this is together, as Grace Lee Boggs says. I love that. As we begin to close, how can our listeners find you if they have any additional questions? And I think you mentioned, um, uh, do you have anything in, uh, else in addition to your Instagram handle, Leon? Yeah, um, I'll just say I'm really bad at responding, but I will do my best to respond um, uh, on Instagram. But I post, um, I miss the days of just posting like, here's what I'm eating today. Um, <laughs> or like, go I'm back at the to beach. <laughs> I know. Um, but I post most of our uh, resources I'm actually building some resources on um, how to deal with, deal with tear gas and pepper spray in Tagalog for our kababayan back home. Um, there, many of our trainings are on there, or sorry, training resources are on there. Um, and just like some basic, um, you know, uh, good old disaster preparedness uh, resources. So I invite folks to check out my, um, my Instagram for that. Um, and please feel free to reach out to me if there's a, um, if, uh, there's a way that I can connect you with a uh, a safety local safety group because they are all over the place, um, and that's what, one of the beautiful things that we have seen because of black leadership, because of black trans leadership in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, is that we came out of this um, first wave of the pandemic so deeply committed to caring for each other more than this government ever cared for us. So there are folks out there, like Mr. Rogers says, you know, when you lose hope, look to the, for the helpers. Mm. I love all these quotes that you're just dropping. <laughs> um, thank you, Kalaya, and really for talking to our community about safety and solidarity as mutual protection and happy pride. 
happy it pride <laughs> It was an honor really to have you in our space. I think Kat and I can both agree, just really listening in and paying close attention to the words that you're sharing. We hope our listen we hope the same with our listeners. And we just wanted to say we're excited to witness how your journey continues to unfold. And Philippine X in Wellness has welcomed you into our family and we're here to support. Thank you. And if there's anything I can do to support. Um, please, please let me know. And I will hold you to that food tour. So next time you're in New York. <laughs> I'll make sure to contact you for sure. Um, can we hang out if I go to New York as well? Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. And we'll do the same when, when you come out to the West Coast for sure. You let, you let us know. I got Definitely. you on the food journey for sure. <laughs> Thank you. And to our listeners, look out for our next session that we will air next month on, Ju on July 13, Wednesday. We will be featuring Brian Gonzalez, chiropractor at Gonzalez Chiropractic, who will talk to our community about spinal health. Yes, and as we close, we'd like to say thank you again to our guest speaker, Kalayaan Mendoza, director of US programs for nonviolent peace force, um, our social media strategist and amazing co-host Kathleen Torrio, our co-sponsors SoCal Filipinos, our designer and beatmaker Richie for your consent to use your tracks on our show, Steady, Eddie Ghana Jr. and Stephanie Sahor for the spoken word piece Isang Bagsak that you heard during our break, our advisors Allison De La Cruz and Rian De Los Reyes, our community partners is Filipino American Life and Trek Table, and really all of our community members for your shares and contributions. As always, we'll share more about our guest speakers offerings on our IG stories and highlights for permanent access with his, with his upcoming events. Be sure to follow us at Philippine X in Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter at Philippine X, the letter N, well, followed by the letters N and S. Don't forget to continue to hit the subscribe button on our Philippine X and Wellness YouTube channel. Thank you always to our supporters. Have a good night, everyone. Continue to take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you. Durugit nga salamat.